Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Welcome back for another OG show live. Mr. Randall, how you doing? What's up, everybody? Welcome back to The Real Down. Welcome back to another episode of Bass Fishing for News. Hi, boys and girls. Welcome to once again the Bass Guy. Oh, brother, this is the final cast. Another segment of uh, Chasing the Tide, your saltwater connection on the Paladin. Welcome back, everyone. Another episode of Feather and Fur, your host. Welcome back to the Mindset Podcast. I'm your host, Crystal. Hey, welcome back to Off the Water. You here with Adventures of Outdoor Woman Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to the Rusty Hook Kayak Fishing Podcast. We're brought to you by Pelican Built Tough. For all situations, go to pelican.com. Eastport Marina on the beautiful shores of Dale Hollow Lake. For all your lodging, kayaking, go to eastport.info. Yak Gadget. For all your fine kayak fishing accessory needs, go to yakgadget.com. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Real Down. We're back this week. We're sorry we missed a week. Kind of odd for us. I know, you know, we are your favorite segment on the Paddling Fin Network. So we appreciate y'all, uh, you know, waiting on us to come back. Uh, I already had a few plans and planned to be off. Dan ended up getting super sick. You feeling better now? Yeah, man, I'm good now. Still a little bit stopped up, but I'm I'm all right. Yeah, I had strep throat. Crazy. I can't remember the last time I had that. Yeah, it's been a long time for me. I've been fighting a bunch of just like feeling like crap and like sinusy stuff, but the weather won't like pick a freaking direction. It's going to go with temperature, and I think that's got a lot to do with it. Yeah. But yeah, uh, so uh, yeah, we're back. Uh, we got a, another great show. Uh, these guys are nice enough to let us uh, hold them off one more week. But yeah, uh, we had the Alabama Kayak Fishing State Championship. Uh, so what have that been like th- Three weeks ago now? Two weeks ago? I can't even remember. Yeah, two weeks. October 15th, whenever that was. You ran it and they fished it. Yeah. It was a great time, too. That's my first time down there. Uh, we were on the, the lower Coosa, uh, below Jordan Dam, and it's awesome. But, uh, yeah, we're going to we're gonna get these guys on real quick and let them talk about all the success they had because the numbers were actually way better than I had expected. Oh, Not that's... against anything these guys. I just seeing everything for the first time i made a big guess and i thought like you know 80s would take it home and i was wrong so mega spots mega spots mega largemouth too there was one big and caught in there yeah coley had a whole big 
Well, uh, yeah, you want to bring them on? Yeah, man, let's do it. Uh, first, we have Jacob Mott, Lance Coley, and Chris McKee. Thanks, guys, for being on. Good evening. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, we'll go ahead and go over the numbers here. Uh, just go ahead and get out of the way. Jacob, you had first with 94 inches. Uh, your biggest was 20 and a quarter. Chris, you had a 90 and a quarter with 20 inch was your biggest. And Lance, third um, with 90 inches even and just, you know, quarter inch a second. We had 19 for your big. So there we go. But um, we want to give you a chance. I, I know, Lance, you've been on before. Jacob, have you been on before? No, it's my first time. Oh, seems like you have. Well, Congratulations we'll on popping the cherry. Yeah. <laughs> we'll start with you since you won, but tell everybody who you are. I'm Jacob Mott from Alabama. Um, that's all I got for you. I've been kayak fishing for three or four years. Okay, so he's very modest. He's had yeah. an excellent fishing year. He has won an Angler of the Year. Two. Two, two Angler of the Year. Yeah. Um, he was the favorite to win this event, which he did. Um. I don't know. He's a he brings some cool stuff to camp with. He brought the Blackstone. I'd probably been pretty pissed if we hadn't had that. But yeah, it's an essential. Otherwise, you're cooking on rocks, and you know maybe you have. A you were steak. still trying to cook on rocks. Uh, we had some good steaks, and you know, a good flat rock would have been that would have made it a good night. That they were my wife tagged me in a sale. They're having a sale on like non-brand Blackstones. I might go get one. Dude, they're yeah, worth it. Should. Yeah, if, you, if you can if you can take care of it, it's like the only cooking tool you'll want around your house. Unless you're one of them guys that smokes a bunch of meat. And yeah, I don't do that. Yeah, no. bring a generator next time you come camping. We'll smoke some meat. All right. Or a real smoker if you're that good. No, I'm not. These guys, <laughs> it, it, we're laughing about it. Like I wasn't expecting to pull up to like a base camp because that's what that was. They had a quiet run generator, the Blackstone. Like I, we could have a refrigerator out there, and it'd have been like. Perfect kitchen. And do you consider yourself in the gang gang group? Yeah. yeah. Well, he's 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 a part of the, the Alabama gang gang guys. So cool. I, I'll I'll say uh, I don't understand where the gang gang come came from, but as the group, absolutely. Yeah. Isn't that like an animaniacs thing? I don't know if it's that or trap music or what. Okay, so for where I grew up in Alabama, I don't know. Gang gang is a totally different direction. Correct. And I would not be saying that in certain parts of the state. So just <laughs> tread lightly. I thought I, I thought it was like Theo Vaughn. He's been saying in his podcast, Gang Gang. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. I'm from Selma. So that's the exact same representation I see. <laughs> All right. Lance, you've been on before, but tell everybody who you are. And you've won state multiple times. So I, I would have thought you would have been the favorite going into me. Uh, well, I mean, Jacob's had a heck of a year, so oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Momentum's a thing, uh, but I'm Lance Coley. Uh, been kayak fishing for probably twenty years, maybe now, at least eighteen, seventeen or eighteen. Um, fishing in Alabama with local clubs since twenty seventeen or so. So, and you used to run around that river bassing circuit pretty hard, didn't you? Yeah, I ran around river bassing from 2010 to whenever it quit, like 2016 or so. Angler of the year. 2010 and 2015, angler of the year for river bassing. And so. he also has a service for tournament directors to outline maps to, to have inbounds. <laughs> like if, you, if you're a tournament Maybe. director, Steve, AJ, 
Uh, Chad, anybody, if you want your map lined where you can just give people a map with hard boundaries, Lance is your guy. I've seen it. He is excellent at it. So. <laughs> You you all could right. be very relevant in all the current discussions in the kayaking world right now, dude. He he literally did one for Logan Martin. Showed us. Can can you exp not to get off track, but can you explain the map that you did? I I just I I actually did it several months ago. It might have been last winter. I I just was off season, I think, and I just was pondering different things. Like a lot of the gray area stuff could go away if we had a hard line map. Um, without the difficulty of naming every launch, um, you could at least say, okay, here's your water. Um, so I just, you could use whatever metric you want to, but I just basically took 60 feet, which is the width of a creek bed. And that's about the point it gets kind of small, more difficult to navigate. I mean, you can go skinnier and still catch fish, but that gets you way up a creek most of the time. So I just went on Logan Martin. I found where each tributary got narrower than 60 feet. And I found a landmark bridge, power line, whatever, and cut it off. And then I just connected the dots all around it and ended up with the map. So, I mean, it ended up putting like 70 miles of tributaries and bounds on that lake. It would be different for other lakes with fewer tributaries and more tributaries or bigger tributaries or smaller ones that would look different every time if you use 60 feet, but you can use whatever you want to. But I would love yeah. to see that done on Kentucky Lake just to see it. Cause Kentucky Lake's got so much. I mean, like if you take the national championship that just happened and play like with their rules, the amount of in play water was absolutely ridiculous. Like mm -hmm. I didn't know it was as bad as it was, but a buddy of mine was like, no, Jimmy, there is a Creek. 40 minutes from your house and I'm here in Alabama that would play by their rules. I was like, yeah, Jesus yeah. Christ. I'd, so I, I think something like you're working on or have done, that'd be really cool on that lake. Man, it would take I, a long I, time. Kentucky Lake with 60 foot is the metric because I think the Lord. lake itself has something like 2,000 miles of shoreline. So You'd have to Martin, start like now and you might have it done by like next championship. <laughs> but, uh, no. Really not to get into a whole rules thing, but I think if you took that, you took the hard boundaries, you had a couple of people doing this, and then once they're paid for their time, every every trail, like let's say Hobie goes to eight places, KBF goes to eight, and Bass goes to eight, not that, not that they're all doing eight, but if you get those 24 a year, and then once they're purchased from Lance or whoever's doing it, hopefully Lance, because he did such a good job, and he's awesome. Then you upload them to a website for every tournament director used because they've already been purchased. And then after two or three years, all the lakes would already be uploaded to one place. Everybody would know all the boundaries for every lake, for every major trail that fishes, unless they happen to go somewhere new. But eventually they would all be done. And then all, all the gray is done. Sorry. Yeah, then you just got cheaters. Yeah, then, then you get rid of the gray, and then you got to use. <laughs> I mean, you you could even do it per trail. I mean, you could have a, a Hobie map and a Bass map for the same lake, you know, if they wanted to do things differently. I mean, it, it'd be is a different, you know, difference of building the more generous map and then just deleting points until it gets back to where whatever the other series wanted to do. So, yeah, yeah. I, got, I think you're on something. He'll have uh, an app, get you an app, and like, you know, make all the money, do like, Dwayne did with Tourney X. 
Five dollars right. tournament. Chris, tell everybody who you are, man. I'm Chris McKee uh, from Texas. New to uh, kayak bass fishing competitively. I've done it all my life uh, recreationally. But, uh, I've been in it for three years with Iron City and uh, very fortunate to be with you guys tonight. I appreciate the invite. Yeah, man. Yeah. Where, where are you from in Texas? Odessa. So I grew up where there was no water. Yeah. Uh, very fortunate <laughs> to be nice. in Alabama where it's all around me now. This is a dream come true for me to live out here and, and be able to fish within minutes of my house. So. I was stationed in, in Abilene for three years, and it's like once you hit Abilene and west, it's like well, the desert pretty much. Yeah, I'm, I'm two and a half hours west of Abilene where I grew up. So that was, for, for real high school football down there, though. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so, so you went from desert to now you, you actually you work in fisheries now, don't you? That's right. And that's part of why I came out here is, you know, there's just not a lot of opportunity for that in West Texas, so. Here I am. He did not want to have that whole drought and lack of water problem anymore. So right. He moved to the Alabama rainforest. <laughs> exactly. <clears throat> well, uh, so this is a really cool, the, the fishery that we did this event on is it, just unique. Like I've always heard about it and seen pictures and hear everybody talk about how good it can be and how good it is and blah, 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 blah. You know, Kusa, Kusa, Kusa. This was my first experience coming down there. And it was just like, it is just the, sure, the Alabama bass, it's, that's crazy. But the, the way the water sets up and the way the water flows and changes and everything's just wicked. So I want one of y'all, any of the three of y'all to really describe it the best you can. Maybe you can hit on Lake Jordan too, but no one cares. I'm just kidding. (laughs) None of y'all fish Jordan, right? I did not. Occasionally. Um, anytime anybody asks me something about Jordan, I tell them to go to a different lake. <laughs> the ABT was there this past weekend, and it was a two-day tournament, and 24 pounds and some odd ounces won. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's one of those lakes. And then the, you go there in the springtime, and you catch, you know, 20, 24, 25-pound stringers. So it's it's a mystery. Well, J- give us a rundown on the lower Kusa then, Jacob. Uh, it's a mystery in itself, too especially this time of year when there's not as much water coming through. Uh, but it's the same cycle. Say, I can't remember when they start doing the canoe trips, but when they start doing that in the late spring, uh, they are contracted to run more water, usually between 9 and 11 o'clock throughout the day. So when you get there in the morning, the whole river is low and slow most of the time. And then usually by about lunchtime, the river comes up you know, three, four foot out of nowhere uh, within the next few hours. <clears throat> so... Most river fishermen, they think to themselves, uh, the water's coming up, the fish are going to come up with it. And a lot of cases they do. Uh, but I think this past weekend or two weekends ago now, it was a good situation where they, they didn't work the way we thought they were going to work. Uh, but that's the Coosa River. So those fish, I think, are so attuned to that water moving. That if it's not up for quite some time, they don't reposition the way a normal river fish would. They'll, they'll stay deeper when that water comes up. And, and like I said, usually when it comes up, those fish come up with it in most river systems. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages. Things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. 
Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. So there's a rock every 30 feet. So it's, and there's, it's a mystery. You know, and just to give a little more background on it for anybody listening. So this is a tail race right below the Jordan Dam. And I mean, the fishable water just like with basically any dam i mean you you, these guys fish right up against it i mean uh i think coley was against it when he caught his big one uh but it's like he said it does have a lot of recreational float and if you look it up a lot of the information you find is about whitewater uh because they i think there's he goes up to a class three doesn't it doesn't moxon considered a three i think moxon gaps class three Yeah. yeah at at full flow anyway Right. So it's just to give you an idea, this place is probably at a good stretch, maybe a hundred yards across at best. And the whole float that basically all these guys did was it's what less than seven miles from the dam total. Yeah. Right. I mean, guys could go past that, but I'm pretty sure these three guys are all in the same general area. Um, so lots of, uh, it's very different, so it's kind of it's it's kind of deep when you start. Um, lots of you know outlying rocks and current breaks, and then it's like boom, your first real set of rapids, and then it'll be a little when the water's down, then it'll be like low flat, you know, paddling, and then boom, moccasin gap, you know, and it's it's kind of crazy. It's like one side we had to walk out, get out, and walk around that first day, but if you checked the other side, I had like a four foot drop in the middle of it, like. Mm-hmm crazy crazy just set up and I, I didn't get on the water the next day to see it with the water up but sam was uh our, our buddy sam cox was giving me a rundown of like places he showed me and was like yeah you remember that yeah it was three feet underwater today yeah. like <laughs> the rocks you saw were completely gone so it's it, it changes so much that it, it's crazy i can't wait to go check it out again yeah there there were rock that morning there were rocks out of the water i'd never seen before <laughs> I mean, it, it was extremely low that morning. And, yeah, that's uh, that's something Jacob told me that morning kinda, when I caught up with him. He was like, yeah, you can come down this place multiple times and it'll look different every time you see it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I paddled up and floated down and it looked like a different river when I came back. <laughs> that's what I was going to say on that lower end around Corn Creek Shoals. If the water's low and you come up to Corn Creek Shoals, it looks impassable. And I, it, it basically is, unless you can pick yeah. a kayak up over your head. But when the water comes up, all of a sudden, I mean, it's still dangerous. Don't get me wrong, but you know, getting over the water up three or four foot is—it's it, you don't even know where you're at anymore. That's crazy. Well, uh, so I know y'all too did. Chris, have you you've got previous experience on on that stretch? I floated it four or five times before, and I went in September and pre-fished a little bit. Uh, we did the float uh, from the dam down to Corn Creek in September, and found a few fish at the at the first shoal first sign of flow below the dam 
And so that's what I was focused on first thing in the morning. I paddled right down to to the first area where there was noticeable flow and just waited for the sun to come up. And as soon as the sun got up about 630, they started biting. Heck yeah. What, what, when, whenever so many people are launching and you're kind of all fishing, I, I, like what, what's your strategy whenever everybody, so many people are putting in the same spot and doing the same float? Uh, I didn't have one other than, you know, I, I figured a lot of people would go up to the dam first. And so just to kind of avoid that, I went downstream first instead of paddling up to the dam, which I don't know if that was smart or not. A lot, a lot of people that went up to the dam got some big bites right off the bat. But, you know, it worked out good for me. I found a little group of fish right off right off the bat at the beginning of the day. So, and I had it to myself for a good, you know, 45 minutes. And you're doing it in a canoe, aren't you? Yes, sir. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. I, I was fixed. I'm trying. I was trying to think back. Uh, so yeah, he, he was doing it in a canoe. Um, but a good point about all that is like, there is a lot of people doing the same area, but honestly, it, you can fish it so many different ways. That's something I saw just floating with three guys on top of each other. Like we were all targeting in a different way. Oh yeah. And, I wasn't too worried about the pressure because yeah. there's so much water to fish there and there's so many different strategies. And, I mean, you're really not, uh, competing too much against fishing pressure because there are so many different routes taken. There's probably, you know, there's gotta be so many fish in that area that no matter what you're doing, you're putting your lure in front of fish. So it's just a matter of who's going to get them to bite. For sure. Mm -hmm. So, um, we had a, we did a little bit of an off limits time period, uh, before just because we, you know, the bunch of the directors for anybody that missed it, I'm the one that threw this event together a bunch of the directors had got together of the local clubs and had, you know, asked, should we put it off limits? Because so many people are coming from out of town. Do we really want them beat up the river all week? Um, so we decided to basically cut it off the week before and then give everybody two pre-fishing days and, you know, then the one tournament day. How do y'all, I just want to know y'all's opinions on that since y'all did it. Do you, do you prefer an off limits? Do you care if it's off limits? Did you like it, dislike it? Anybody that wants to say. I, I, I rarely pre-fish, so it didn't bother me at it anyway. Um, I, I like limiting it though, just from a, especially when the water is that restricted, small of an area. I think it limits the pressure. It results in bigger bags on tournament day for sure you, shows up and cashes checks <laughs> yes i think i would have liked to have had the weekend before to pre-fish and then having multiple days it's off limit time leading up to you know, official practice time uh but it, it worked out you know i was still able to get there two weekends before any, I anyone like so. saying i can't go fishing <laughs> <laughs> Well, I apologize, <laughs> but um, good. I, no, I'm, I'm not against that. I just, I was there the night before I would have liked to fish till, till the evening just to be able to fish a little bit longer, but for tournament reasons, you know, I understand you don't want it getting beat up too bad. Yeah. It is, a, you know, that little stretch is small, so I could see where it would, it would really get hammered before the tournament and that would take the fun away from a lot of people coming you know, in. I generally don't pre-fish, so. It was I nice was, for me to get up there the day before and kind of see how the fish were reacting to different baits as yeah. we went along. 
you know, I was kind of unsure when I made the decision because it's like, yeah, I understand, but, you know, I understand both sides of it. I felt better about doing it when we were coming in on Friday. Like, everybody I knew that had went to the lake was getting the last three hours in on the river. And I was like, "Some geez, the lake must suck that bad. Like, <laughs> And then all the people that we had, like, 15 people at our camp that night. And everybody that went to the lake was like, I skunked, had 110, 111 inch, you know, probably going to go to the river tomorrow. So I just felt a little better about it. I was like, well, you know, if everybody had hit the river all week, then this tournament would have terrible numbers, except for y'all three, probably, because y'all kind of had it figured out. But um, that's what they all get for not listening to the podcast, because I said multiple weeks, don't fish Jordan. Yeah, (laughs) he was the huge. Everybody was uh, like, why didn't Dan come? I was like, he don't do the 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 flowing part, and he's convinced that the lake sucks enough that it's not worth being there. And he was right because I mean, I didn't talk to anybody that caught anything worth it out there for real. Like, a bunch of guys tried, but I don't think, if I remember correctly, when I looked on doing like checking locations, I don't think anybody in the top ten was on the lake. And we had fifty four people and. I think we only had two that didn't fish that day. So, I mean, I'd, I'd probably say over half the field was on the, on the river somewhere, but, uh, and, and say, say how everybody qualified too. I, I guess we had not talk about that. Well, yeah. So, um, so again, this is the state championship. So the way that, uh, we've been doing the, and it's been like this since before I took it over was the local clubs all run there normal uh, trail series during the year with their angler of the year races and the top 15 in that uh, angler of the year system for each club get qualified to come down to state. And then we allow a couple of director spots per club and then uh, roll downs just to try to keep attendance up and keep the pots kind of big. And so we, I felt like we did pretty good. This is what I wanted out of it. We had 75 possible entrance and we had 54 so i think it was fantastic especially because this is i don't know it's a fishery everybody likes but it's kind of out of the way for a lot of us but so we still had a really good turnout um it's like the furthest possible for the biggest club in the state for sure yeah and it it, just to touch on it to give them a little shout out i mean the the city of watumka down there they're about the kayak folks like they take care of us when we're down there i had heard about it and when i called and reached out to to carry i mean it was very fast for him to be like oh yeah we're gonna throw in 500 dollars for big fish we're gonna have all some custom t-shirts made that we're gonna give out you know and then he was like what do you need i just told him all the stuff i need and we i mean we got everything we needed we had hotel discounts and places to camp and blah 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 so uh, really really appreciative for them and they want us back down there every year. And so we'll see, you know, I, most folks wanted to move around the state and I've got, I think we're going to keep doing that, but I've got a little idea that uh, I've mentioned to Jacob that I'm going to be working on actually have a meeting with them tomorrow to try to give them some kayak love every year. So uh, more to come there. And but, maybe, uh, uh, maybe you could push something with Elmore County to improve accesses along the Tallapoosa and include that too. Yeah, that's yeah. That, that's that on my list awesome. for sure. <laughs> um, 
just, just to say it here without going into any of the details, my whole goal is like, if you want us down here that bad, we need more than like t-shirts. We need, and <laughs> that list is like this. I'm going to be like, here, pick, pick what you want to do, but here's the list. But, uh, so back to the, the pre-fishing, Lance, you said you don't really pre-fish. Did any of y'all do any pre-fishing? I mean, I know Jacob, you did cause I passed you on the river, but yep. any kind of, any kind of pre-fishing, did you go look at the water? Did you put some lines in, catch a few fish? Uh, Chris, why don't you start? Well, I went in September, we had an inland lake tournament for Iron City and that's, that's a pretty good drive from where I live. And I didn't feel real good about it. So I, I called a friend of mine and asked him if he'd be willing to head down and just do a float on the Coosa. Uh, we went from the dam down to Corn Creek and, and fish just had a good time and, and caught a few. And I got a big one uh, when they turned the water on midday. I caught a real big one on a whopper plopper. And Always fun. I was like, well, I, I know what I'm going to do. So that really <laughs> helped me out. It gave me confidence to to stick with it. And, uh, that's pretty much what I did all day was just throw throw that. I caught a few on a on a little key tech, um, but it was pretty obvious that I wasn't going to get the bites on that that I needed. So, so I just I, stuck I, with it. And I don't know if that <laughs> helped me or hurt me. You know, my gut told me all day to, to switch to something underwater and, and give up the top water. But then I had that, that big bite that happened midday in the back of my mind. So I just stuck with it. And that yeah, really helped me doing, doing that because – Otherwise, I don't think I would have had the confidence in that bait uh, during the tournament. Those two bites, Ed, those two baits, as soon as you get a bite, it's like, screw everything else. I'm throwing this. Like <laughs> yeah, I don't exactly. I don't understand why when I go fishing and I'm going to somewhere that I'm going to throw a whopper plopper or a frog, I should not take any other rods. I'll have 10 rods with me and I won't touch. I mean, it could be one bluegill pop at that frog and the rest of that crap's going up and this is what we're doing no bites or big bites it doesn't matter i'm not i'm gonna wear my shoulder out but uh what about you lance uh, did you go check anything out or did you just fly blind or i mean i got a pretty good amount of history on it so i know where most of the hideout the historical hideouts are unfortunately none of those had willing fish in them i had to search but I'm a junk fisherman at heart anyway. I got nine rods and everyone's got a different lure on it. And I throw what I feel's best at what's in front of me. Um, I ended up catching my fish mid channel on an A-rig and jerk baits, which is not really in my wheelhouse, but that's, it just felt right at the time. I can't ever so, say that about a jerk like bait. like <laughs> what Jacob was saying earlier. I think the river had been so low, even when it came up, they were, they were mid channel. They, they didn't run to the bank. They didn't run shallow. They were they were in ten feet of water out in the middle. Hmm. I, would, I was not expecting you to say a rig down there. <laughs> I, I've never been. I've looked at it on a map. It's right when I put in the day before, and I was just like goofing off. I was like, my god, I wish I'd brought my a rig rod right here. Because I, I feel like just, you could just smack them down there on that. Well, just for people looking for thinking they're looking for juice or something. I mean, I've been down there a lot and I've never caught them. I've tried it. Never caught them on a rig. Never caught them on a bullshed. Rarely catch them on a whopper plopper. Other people have had success. I, I've had my success on other lures and usually, except for one little secret that I'm going to keep, um, a lot of times it's something different. 
Um, I, I haven't had consistent success on any particular lure except for that one that I'm going to keep a secret. Headlines, <laughs> He's he's trying to keep a secret because Jacob said actually there. no, but <laughs> <laughs> he would tell me. Maybe not in front of everybody. It's <laughs> <laughs> funny, so the Eric, I tried it in practice. I didn't get a bite, so I didn't take it. He didn't throw it where he threw it. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's the case with just about any lure that you guys are whacking them. I probably tried it and just wasn't throwing them in the right place. Had had the right ideas. I, w- I really wish I could have fished that event with y'all though, because the taste that I got the day before was like, oh yeah, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Oh man, it was, mm-hmm. and then I felt bad because I hooked fish floating with guys that were fishing the tournament. So then I kind of like took it easy, and I got to go back down there. It's it's so sick. But Jacob, what did you? Uh... If if anybody's coming to Alabama, like out of state, and they want to catch their PB spot Alabama bass. Is there anywhere else better in the state to go than there? Than I can tell you. I, I can now. I can tell you two places, but I cannot <laughs> tell you two places because those two places <laughs> shall not uh, be mentioned. Yeah. But it, yeah, I would it, say that the two best places place I'm willing to divulge. <laughs> Just go to Wetumpka. That, that's exactly it. I was going to say that they were equally as good, so go there. But, uh, but yeah, Jacob, what about you? What did you do to kind of get ready for this one? Well, you know, I was pre-fishing. Uh, I had to see what level the water was at. And I actually prefer it. So I either like it being super low or probably five foot higher than what it was and regulated, like not not up and down, up and down. Uh, but I had a few places that I wanted to look at for pre-fishing. And if you saw me throwing anything with an exposed hook, I was just playing around and having fun. Uh, you know, I talked about bending over my hooks to where I can't even hook a fish. And, you know, nobody really saw where I was at doing that. But, uh, you know, you, you saw me catch fish and we could catch a limit doing that. Uh, fish in the rocks with, you know, maybe a spook or a fluke or something like that. And you could probably catch big fish if your time is right. But anyway, I, I saw what I wanted to see. And then we went, we, we went down there two weekends before. And I, I had just as good of a day as I did that Saturday of the tournament. Yeah, I heard uh, if, if anybody that's following this has, you know, seen the posts about this, a few of those guys talked about the trip two weeks before and how incredible it was yeah, it two was weeks good. before. But um, so you, you, you were feeling like you got a legit shot to win. Huh? His confidence was so high in camp, even though he's so like modest, you could feel it. Like you'd bring it I, up and he would smile and giggle and try to play it off. Like he knew I this I was a good chance. Friday. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I knew I had a good chance. The fish were setting up the way I wanted them to, even with the the super cold mornings that we were having. Uh, you know, in my opinion, they were still a more of a, a summertime positioning, even with all the colder weather. And like Chris said, as soon as that sun came up, the bite turned on. Yeah. That big fish swagger. So because of the, the style, you know, fishery this is, Dan, and it's not something that you like to do. Do you have any questions that might would benefit listeners that also don't fish this kind of stuff yeah i wouldn't think one of these lance you said you brought what nine rods 11 rods like uh nine or seven made it in the boat yeah seven rods like i I would have think but but because i haven't fished it before i would have thought it would have been like you know whenever you talk class three 
that might be one little section, but I'm thinking four rods, paddle kayak, is that like everything's strapped down, I'm ready to turtle. Is that kind of how it is, or is it, you know, I mean, it sounds like if you have that many rods, like it's not. I can say that's how a lot of people treat it that you saw down there. Yeah. I I mean, it's it's all about boat control and knowing what you're doing, being confident, but not cocky. (laughs) Amen. Uh, There's a fine line there. I I think a lot of people get in trouble because they're either too cocky or they're not confident enough. Um, A lot of that current stuff, you just got to attack it. Yeah, you got to know what you're doing. You got to move it. Um, if you don't and you get pinned sideways, it's over. You're going to turn it. Um, Almost. So it. It's just it's experience. I, I mean, it's all it is. I mean, I I wouldn't. I was in my Commander 120, which is an open boat. Chris is in a canoe. I wouldn't recommend that to a newbie. I'd say get something that's going to float on its own right. Because uh, I, I even coming back down, I ran one of the shoals coming back down and, and I took about 10 gallons of water, but I, I mean, it, I'm used to that. It didn't really phase me. I just paddled it over to the bank and I got a hand bilge pump and I dumped it out and I kept going. Um, but if, if you're not used to it, you, you either got to get confidence running smaller stuff or just limit your damage by taking fewer rods or just portage around the stuff that looks scary to you. So I, I would say that his thing, his what he said on confidence is key. So I've got experience doing skinny moving water. I've never seen, I mean, I've floated some of my creeks when they're, you know, four foot high. And we're talking about creeks that might only be eight, 10 inches deep, but running and have zero thought in my mind. I know where everything is. I know how to take this and know what to look for. It was completely different there and actually like took my confidence from me. Cause we just, we went down a few of the first shoals and it wasn't that bad. I mean, it was a lot, you know, different than what I was used to, but we stopped and looked at moccasin gap. Cause I had told myself on the way down there, I was like, I'm going to run moccasin gap. I mean, I ain't afraid to bust this boat in half. You know, I'll just put some of the rods on the bank and go for it. And I stopped and walked to the top of that rock face and looked down and was like, Nope, I think I'll (laughs) take a rain check. We'll come back. I'll gain a little more confidence. And and it's a lot different for, for guys that have experience in the creeks and, and the smaller moving waters like Sam, Sam helped me out in some of it. My thought on my path was completely wrong to how you treat this stuff. Like you aiming at the white water and, you know, big, a big thing down there is everything's the same color. The water, the boulders, everything blends in. So like I almost went over on my first one. I thought I was done and I like to come out of one and then spin around just because it feels cool. And I spun around and broadsided rock and just because I didn't see it. And if, you know, I got lucky and the boat slid over the top of it, but I could have easily just smacked it and flipped myself out. I mean, uh, Evan Turner turtled on moccasin and, I think he lost two rods, lost half his gear. He brought yeah. with him. He had a bad day. <laughs> he, he hit that one head on though. Like it was almost intentional. I know he didn't mean to flip out of it, but <laughs> did you did you see it? No, no, it was described to me though. But he, he went through moccasin gap in his kayak. Most people go around it. He went through it. <laughs> and he was in a like a vibe, like yellowfin. And he went hard. <laughs> but but you know, you know, it's something for you, Dan, just because you you're like you said, you're thinking um, you know, paddle only kayak smaller and stuff like that. Jacob and Sam are doing it in pursuits. 
New Canoe Pursuits, 13 and a half foot, and Jacob had his pedals on. Yep. Like, blew my mind when I saw him pedaling around all this stuff. But yeah, if, I, if I smash a rock, I smash a rock. Yeah, but the, the, the pivot drive on the New Canoe, that really is like, if, well, I guess the Jackson flex drive too, but, you know, a drive that's actually going to kick up and, and, kick all the way and not you know hobie fin they kick up but you can still bend a mass the the pivot drive that would be a if you're going to do one that would be a great one to i can use yeah. I, I didn't get to see him jacob go up any like big of, of the rapids but watching how easily he was able to move against current mm-hmm. having used a hobie i don't the 12 will not go against current like that like that was i mean he was as easily as he was going downstream he was going upstream just effortlessly hmm. Yeah, and, and it I, was I pedaled back up those swift areas. I didn't have yeah. to get out or anything. That's cool. Like he he you floated down roughly like what what would you say halfway below the islands. Yeah. And if you go look at this on the map, you can see all the shoals on Google Earth. And I think it was flowing what like 2000 or more? Oh, I don't look at it. <laughs> he just goes it. <laughs> Do you think your your pedal drive is what won it for you? I'm sure it helped, yeah. So to lead into that a little bit more, talking about the pedal drive, uh, I ended up having to fish behind the guy in the jet drive boat, the trolling motor on the front. Uh, there was things that I was able to do in pedal drive, which you could do in a, with, with just a paddle getting into the eddy pockets. But there were things that I was able to do that the guy with the trolling motor couldn't do. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears. Multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. It's it's mind-boggling to think about. Like, just go watch. Drew Gregory's got a video on the Lower Coosa. That'll give you an idea of what it looks like down there when crap's running and he's pedaling against it. That's a great one if you're listening to this go watch that video and then imagine a new canoe pursuit going up it yeah it's mind-boggling my <laughs> mind's in a bottle we won't talk about the negatives of the of the pivot trial but that's one of the big positives how is your how is your coast with the uh, pedal drive down going upstream jacob 
it doesn't really eat me alive. Uh, well, you say going downstream. Uh, eh. go, going upstream. Can oh, you coast? Yeah, you can coast back up up running water. But, I mean, if it's super swift, you're on the pedals the whole time. Okay. I, I, that was one thing I, I was concerned about pedals and current is you'd be on them the whole time going up, whereas paddle craft, you don't have that stuff hanging down. And I could do three hard paddle strokes, and it'll basically surf for yeah. – three four casts before i have to put the paddle back in the water again the pursuit really glides well though yeah and the gear I, ratio on the pedal drive it's it's effortless it's, you're not fighting it the whole time i always tell people it's like pedaling a bicycle in first gear that it doesn't feel like you're doing yeah. anything but yeah. it actually gets to speed very quickly mm-hmm. and and the pursuit like you just said dan i think it's their shallowest drafting boat because i was in the flint following sam and i was hitting tons of stuff and it drafts shallow and sam wasn't touching any of it and standing up like i was like golly but yeah i know it's crazy the way you can do it i mean we've got perfect examples a commander a canoe and a pedal drive and y'all both kicked butt but uh so lance uh you took third so tell us about your tournament day um I, I live an hour away, so I just got up that morning and drove down. Uh, I put in at the bottom, paddled up. Uh, I got my history lures and spots that I have done well at in the past, and I was hitting those all morning. Nothing was happening, so uh, I, you know, I was trying the red line spinnerbait, too. I, I was trying top water various times at top water. Uh, my secret lure wasn't even working, and Z-Man but I was razor. fishing banjo minnow. What's that? <laughs> Z-Man Hellraiser. <laughs> if we guess it, one of those the other day. I just bought one of those the other day. I'm I'm excited to give that one a try. I'm, See, I have one, and I stare every time I go to open the pack. I'm like, God, this looks stupid, and I put it back down. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I thought about chatterbaits when they first came out too. So I, I wasn't gonna make that mistake again. I was like, let's. Let's just give this a shot before it gets old. Valid point. Um, but anyway, I like I said, I, I rarely pre-fish, at least on waters that I know. And when I do pre-fish, I try not to fish. I just look, maybe make sampling casts here and there, check quality. But I, I knew, pretty much do what I wanted to do down there anyway. So I went, none of that was working. <laughs> and so... About 10 o'clock, I just had to sit back and think of what everything I'd done, which was basically beat all the bank eddies, fishing the lures that I've traditionally used down there, and said, well, I need to just do something completely different. So I started working the middle of the creek channel with a jerk bait hooked up on a 18-incher and fished that a while and then decided to throw the A-rig and then caught three or four more so it just kind of worked out I with the weather and the people the amount of people fishing I was kind of anticipating high 80s winning it I was wrong because (laughs) (laughs) I I really I didn't feel comfortable with 90 inches after seeing Chris and Jacob what they had coming you know but I was surprised I was honestly surprised it was 94 inches won it but uh, that was a heck of a stringer Jacob it was um, it was interesting to be judging it 
and watching, you know, so it was, uh, I can't remember who was leading and it might've even been you Lance. I think it was you. Cause I had made a comment to somebody. I was like, damn, he's going to win my second state tournament in a row. And, uh, as soon as I'm I shut the leaderboard, <laughs> as soon as I shut the leaderboard off, Jacob posts a picture to Tony X to judge. And I was like, damn sandbagger. And he was like, no, that's when I caught it. I promise. <laughs> but, uh, it was, it was close. Like, I, th- I thought for sure. Cause I thought high eighties and seeing where you were at Lance, I was like, oh, this is probably going to fall in line. And then the picture started coming in, of, you know, everything was getting that, better. That was, that was my concern too, is if, when the when they started generating water around eleven thirty or twelve or so, it's like somebody's gonna bust a big one. And turns out those two guys <laughs> both busted big ones. So and I couldn't find I, I like I said, I, I found a school in the middle. I caught mine all in mostly the same area. I think they had pulled from their bank locations and all congregated in the middle and that school fired up for me and I couldn't get them to fire up again after that. So I had a 16 incher that I couldn't shit, uh, couldn't call, never could find another pot of fish to fire up and they capitalized on increased current and bigger fish bites at the end of the day that I couldn't, I couldn't. So, so I'm going to not pick on Chris a little bit, but so Chris did really good and it, overcame a little uh adversity so he was on them pretty good before the leaderboard went off but he starts sending me all of his pictures and the fish's mouth's wide open so it's like one of them the the rule we had was if it's over a half an inch open the fish is dq'd so it was like he had one that was cracked dq or uh you know penalty but then he sends me a 20 and a half with his mouth wide open and i was like okay i can't do this anymore so i called him i was like look guy I was like, this is the rules. And he was like, oh, no, I think I got multiple pictures. So we just let it go. And, you know, if he would have lost that 20-inch fish, I mean, huge setback for him. Lance would have got second. And, I mean, it would probably put you down, you know, fifth place or so. But uh, In Iron City, you know, the trail he usually fishes are, our grassroots trail here, we allow the mouth to be open, which, you know, we need to change. Yeah. I have no excuses. I, I knew the mouth had to be closed and I have no idea how I ended up sending those pictures with it open. <laughs> I'm just, they, it was I'm, just nerves and, and shaking to death hey, when I caught it. And <laughs> the whole reason I've really been in that up. position before. So thank you so much for calling me though. I, I really appreciate it. I was that. like, cause at, at one point you're leading and with the, with, penalties and then you post your big fish i'm like i have to disqualify that fish this is heartbreaking like this dude is all because you were doing that when no one was catching anything good i was so sick of judging like eight inch fish and then you're like bam 20 and a half bam 19 and a half and i'm like yes uh, but i brought this up to you know congrats for you know being able to make it right but for all of the tournament people if you're new to tournament fishing and you found this show take multiple pictures because you don't know sometimes cause you're in the, the, the adrenaline of the moment that you've left. Like there's that one picture that it's cracked and one picture when it's finally down, or if you're a hands off guy, you know, you may not realize that it lifted its tail. You know, there's yeah. so many variables that can mess up your fish picture for that tournament. 
So yeah, I had, take I had a little bit of pictures. water under my um, screen too, and I was fighting with the buttons the whole time trying to get it to actually take a picture because nothing was working on my phone. And I think it just in the mix of all of it, I would have bet you two hundred dollars that the mouth was closed on those fish that I seen. I just wasn't paying close enough attention to that because I was fighting other things and that sort of thing. Well, it's it's funny that it you just, you mentioned this having these adversities. I told. Uh, I can't remember who it was. I sent him the picture and was like, golly, this guy's on him, but look at this. I was like, I almost just want to let everybody else, you know, hate me for it. I was like, he's in a canoe. He's already fighting adversity. I'm almost willing to just be like, it's fine. Like, whatever, you're in a canoe. <laughs> but but no, you made it right. A, you made it right. Because, <laughs> like, his fish pictures, like, the fish is, like, long ways in the canoe, and you can tell he's sitting in the boat kind of cockeyed trying to get – I was like, yeah, this dude's – this dude's fighting it right now, but uh, you, you you've touched on your day. Tell us a little bit more about your your tournament day. Um, just took them a little while to get started, and I, I hung around in the spot that I thought they were going to be, and uh, they weren't there the first pass. Went through the second pass, and uh, just kind of hung around waiting. And then six thirty, I got a uh, nineteen and a half, and then paddled back up. Got a fifteen and a half. Uh, missed three or four more in that area and realized that that, you know, the top of the shoals were, were where they were going to be. So I just went down to the next shoal. Um, and I think what I saw a lot of people doing wrong was they were paddling down the shoals and fishing the bottom when the fish were actually at the top of the shoals. So it was hard to get stopped in that fast water right before it goes over the rocks. But I think that's what most people were not doing that, that I was that I could tell. Cause I think, I was probably one of about 50 people out there throwing a whopper plopper, but just, uh, just getting stopped at the top of the shoal somehow, whether it was a, a rock, a log, anything that you could find to stop yourself on before it went over the top, uh, was, was what I had success doing. And, um, finally, uh, the last, uh, well, the second to last big fish I caught, um, kind of a side channel close to the bank. I remember thinking there was just a lot of complex. There was rock, there was, uh, logs, uh, different. There's an eddy right before it went over show. It was just really complex area. And I threw the cast that I had, you know, the most confidence in for the whole day, just had the canoe up against a log, um, sitting still and 20 and a half hit it right there. And that was just, unbelievable for me that was a highlight of my day and i was praying the whole time that thing got to the boat because i didn't think i could get it in it was his highlight and then i broke his heart like 10 minutes later (laughs) yeah i was like oh no his mouth was open Uh, so i got that one in and then um went down a little further and saw one hit in the middle of a big run uh maybe three foot deep out in the middle and uh casted to it uh one hit it and missed it casted back and and got an 18 and a half and then missed one more that was a real good one. Um, and that was the last bite I got. I think that was uh, maybe – There it is. Oh, gosh, 9.30, 9.45. And when the standings went off, I was down by an inch uh, to Lance. And uh, I think I upgraded maybe an inch and a quarter on a 16-and-a-half incher that I caught uh, probably maybe 30, 45 minutes to go in the tournament. So that was that and was then old Jacob day. come like creeping on by everybody. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh it was just in an eddy next to the bank with a little bit of flow. But 
mostly I was focusing on uh, areas right before it went over the rocks at the top of the shoals and then anywhere where the current hit the bank as well was where I was getting bites. That's awesome. All right, Jacob. Let's hear it. I need all the juice, buddy. Oh, how much time have we got? No. <laughs> so Chris already pointed out, the bite didn't really get good until the sun came up. Um, the morning of, though, I'm making my run to get to where I want to be, and I kind of park, like, like if I go any further, it gets dangerous. Uh, but in the meantime, someone comes to try to join me, so I have to get a little defensive about claiming my, my location that I want to fish. Uh, and I did. I kept moving further than I wanted to move until they, they picked a different direction to go. Uh, wait, so, wait, how do you do it? You just got closer or was this like words or I, no, no, I just kept moving. There, there was no, so I could be wrong, but I think I know that they wanted to go where I wanted to go. And I think I know who it was and he, and he knows just as well as I do, but it was all pitch black and foggy. So I'm not sure, but I had to keep moving before he got around me, which I guess the way it worked out, he could have gone on down to to the location he wanted to be at and maybe it would have been fine and when the sun came up maybe i would have caught chris's fish then <laughs> but i don't know uh, but yeah like chris said uh when the sun finally came up that i caught that first fish now i think that was my first fish the 20 and a quarter just as soon as i could see to cast well enough i mean the, the picture on the board i had to have the flash on my camera uh but i, I thought i was on the right pattern there for a while and I kept fishing probably another 30, 40 minutes without another bite. It wasn't until the sun finally came through the trees that the fish started biting better. So I had a stringer. Yeah, that's well, the, a feet finder pick for all you freaks out there. Yeah, the flash is on the camera to capture that. Like that's probably fog off to the other side of the kayak that you see. That's not like shadiness, that's just fog. <laughs> but anyway, I, I kept working down the river and I was, I, you know, I was probably catching 12, 13, 14 inch fish. But I was struggling probably till like eight o'clock to catch the fish that I was after. And then I caught one that was 17 and whatever. Uh, and he was where he was supposed to be. He was, he was exactly where I wanted him to be. But so I've got like a 20, a 17, and then a bunch of maybe 14s, maybe 12s. I don't know. Uh, but that's what I've got. And I work my way on down. And it's probably nine o'clock now. And I've still got that same limit. And I see Chris coming down the river. And I, I on my life, I, I'm almost positive Chris is standing up floating through the rapids. I mean, I, I could be delusional, but... but, but standing stand in a canoe, you know? Standing, standing in a canoe, like he's sitting, like he, he comes down and it's like the canoe just stops and he just sits there and fishes in the current. I don't know. It's I'm, I'm not kidding when I say are, that. Are, are you one of those freestyle canoers? Yes. That do all the tricks and stuff? No. <laughs> there was romantic music playing and everything. The canoe was just doing everything he needed it to do. You were using a single oar, though, right? Yes. Yeah, that blew my mind when he told me that. I was we're like, "You're in a boat guy." <laughs> yeah, it, it worked great. I mean, I have a, a little pack boat too, and I would use it more often if I wasn't concerned. It, it, canoes don't have secondary stability. You get it going, it's going. You know, uh, if I was more confident, then I would, I would absolutely take it down that river but I need a little bit of secondary myself. <laughs> but anyway, he's coming down the river and it's probably nine o'clock now. I think I've uploaded my fish and maybe I'm in third place, but it's nothing confident, right? Uh, I think Chris at the time is sitting like 88 inches. He's for sure in first at this, at this moment. So I know I've got to take off down before him because I've got one more spot down below uh, that location where I can catch a decent fish. So before he comes through that last bend, uh, I catch like that 18 inch spot. 
And I think that, that either cement second or third place at the time. I don't remember. But we're somewhere mid-80s, right? 86 inches or whatever. So I've got three decent fish and two dinks for sure. So at, at this point, the water starts coming up. And like, but in that section, it's not like, oh, I think the water's coming up. I mean, it's up, you know? Yeah, <laughs> like there's more leaves in the water. There's trash in the water. A tree just rolled by you. Like it happens almost instantly. But that's when the jet, the, the, the jet drive guy or jet boat guy comes around. And like he, he's running through the rapids. He's going exactly where I want to go because I'm working my way back up through the rapids now. And I'm catching fish behind him, but they're 12, 13, 14 inches maybe. Like uh, I don't like the way the day is going, but I'm pretty satisfied with where I'm at considering how everybody else is doing at the time. And we're pushing like 11 o'clock by now. Uh, but we're having enough of a conversation for him to realize that I'm fishing a, a tournament so he was nice enough to finally roll out of the way but i go through what nice. i can it, it was very nice because he, he took his boat up the rapids to fish there so <laughs> it's pretty nice of him but uh i work my way through what i consider my good water and i'm not i'm not catching anything i want to catch i finally get to the top of it i say you know, i've, I've got to make a change and the water is like i said it's it's unrecognizable the river is nothing like it was in the morning so i, I finally tie on that jig it's a, uh, like a three ounce jig black and blue the 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Like first cast, I catch like a 15 and a half inch fish, which is a cold. Is it like an inch and a half cold? That's a big deal. And then, like Jimmy was talking about, as soon as the leaderboards cut off, and I well, did you do that at 12 o'clock? One, one o'clock, one o'clock. So at one o'clock, the, the leaderboards cut off, and I, I catch that 19 inch spot. So yeah, like 101, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> literally. <laughs> um, but so it's one o'clock now, the leaderboard shut off. Lance was in first place with 90 inches. And then Chris was just right behind him when everything shut off. So this fish puts me at 90 and a half. Now, I'm, I was thinking Chris had a 14-inch fish at the time, and Lance for sure had a 16-inch fish. And no doubt in my mind, you know, Lance is going to catch another fish to call a 16-inch fish. Like, if I'm at 90 and a half, all he has to do is come up, you know, half. I don't remember what your big fish was. Maybe you needed three-quarters of an inch. I don't remember. But I know somebody else is going to catch another fish, and we have no idea what the entire field is sandbagging, right? Uh, so the water's up. I'm all of my good water is I fish through it. Like it produced that one 19 inch fish, which is, which is awesome. But I've got one other spot. It's further back down the river. I've got to go back through the rapids to get to it. Uh, it's just a large mouth hole. It's, it's good when it's good. And it's not when it's not when the water's low, it's not good. So that morning going through it. Well, I didn't, I didn't fish in the morning cause there wasn't water there. Like it was probably dry ground in the morning. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but the water come up. So I figured I'd check it out. So I take, uh, probably 20 or 30 minutes to get over there to it and first cast to where I think the fish is supposed to be at on a buzz bait. He, he rolls on it, but he swims under a log. He comes, how can I explain this? He, I'm coming this way with the buzz bait. He catches it, comes back under a log and now he's coming to me, but the line's getting tight and he pops off like, like he was never there. And like that, that's one of those locations, especially with river fishing, there's big fish there. Like this is one of those locations you're going to catch a big fish if he's there. Uh, it's never a little fish. If you get bit there, it's a big fish. You know what I mean? So 
we've probably got 45 minutes left in the day now until the tournament's over. So I just go fiddle for a while. I think I catch a little spot. I think I catch a little largemouth. <clears throat> but I come back, and I think it's 20 minutes left in the tournament now. And I flip the jig over into that little pocket where he's supposed to be at. And sure enough, he's there. And I set the hook on him, and he does the exact same thing. He runs under that log towards me. And I, I still had that jig tied on. That line is frayed on those first couple of feet. Uh, but I, I released the, the spool on the reel on the bait caster, and he, he comes, like I said, he continued. He's, he's underneath the kayak. I'm fishing out here. He's under here. <laughs> uh, but I let the line go, and I just slowly start pulling on it. And he, just, he comes to me. He comes over the log and right to me like he's supposed to. Like I, I, like I told him to, but he didn't listen the first time. <laughs> but that Jacob's was, pet fish down there. Yeah. <laughs> but that was a, that 19 inch largemouth, and that's what gave me 94 inches. And I wasn't confident with, with that. Uh, like I said, consider what the fellow oh, had. Cool. I, I wasn't. I, I honestly thought mid 90s, maybe 96, 97 inches, honestly, was going to win this tournament. Uh, so I wasn't absolutely confident, but I was very satisfied with how I did. It's man, it's so tough to be confident with Lance right there. <laughs> yeah, I second that. Well, and like again, this is the championship, man. This is all the good, just the hammers of the state. Like I, you know, I had my money on Chuck just because Chuck's been having one of those years, and you know, in the back of my mind, I was waiting for because I kept up, you know, ref refreshing Tourney X, and I was like, I'm waiting on it. Chuck's been holding on to his good fish, or I was like, or Lance has got like a. 23 and or like coley called a 22 inch largemouth up at the dam i thought he posted that one and then was just holding on to the other 20 pounds of his sack just mm -hmm. to <laughs> give everybody a little hope but it it was you know it was all over the board for a lot of people i mean there there were a bunch i mean there were a bunch of good fish caught and people that didn't you know or decent fish and you know not a limit um there were a lot of people catching you know like one solid 18 and a 14 and i think we only had um yeah, we had 15 limits out of 54 people. And I think it was a third of the field skunked. So, I mean, it was, and I'd, I'd be one to bet that that third of the field was on Lake Jordan. I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but, yeah, no, it was, it was really cool to watch from my end of it just to see, you know, some people leaving the lures in the picture so you can kind of see what some people are throwing and just the different types of areas people were fishing in and it was fun because there was a couple of times turning x uh, if anybody's ran turning x before the gps coordinates are not always right so at one point jacob posted a fish that was caught right beside where i was sitting judging the tournament i swear to god i panicked so much when i uploaded that first fish yeah, it, like I'm sitting at the campground and it pings like literally I zoomed in and it's where I'm sitting. And I was like, well, there's a weird problem. <laughs> and he says later that his attorney X is like freaking out while he's using it. Yeah, I, I like I said, I, I got a new phone. and I, I, I know how to set all the permissions and, and all that for, for the tournaments and in Google and Google Maps and attorney X and all that. So I'm going through everything at this moment that could possibly have given me that error. But I, my heart sunk into my stomach when I uploaded that first fish because that was 20 and a quarter inches. I couldn't swallow. <laughs> and it was, but yeah, it was definitely like, I, I would be fair to say it was an app issue because uh, actually, Chris, it might have been you. Like an hour later, one of your fish came in and it did the same thing. It huh. said that you caught it basically where my truck was parked. And I was like, what's <laughs> happening? So that's, 
I was like, well, I know where they're at roughly. They're in the water. And from what I saw, there's nowhere you can go hide in someone's farm pond. So, but I catch spots. Yeah. And catch spots. <laughs> so y'all, y'all had an excellent, excellent tournament and congratulations on, you know, Jacob, you had an excellent year all around and, you know, it, I'm glad everybody came down and enjoyed it and can't wait to do it again. Uh, but one last question before we let y'all uh, give a little closing thought and get out of here. Smallmouth, Alabama bass, largemouth. Which one would you prefer to do if you could only do one for the rest of your life? Hmm. I love catching spots, but largemouth are a little more predictable. So if I if I could only catch one, I think I'm going to go with the easy one. What about you, Lance. Interesting take. I. I, I fell in love with Alabama bass when I caught my first one. I mean, I, I love smallmouth, too. Um, and I don't know. That's, it's like picking my favorite kid. I mean, <laughs> I like red eyes. I like, I like guads and so Lance has literally caught every species of black man, all 29. So he loves them all. I heard his wife's maiden last name was Finn. <laughs> I think he just likes fish. <laughs> but I don't know, you, if you twisted my arm, I'd have to go with Alabama bass with smallmouth being a close second. Yeah. I, well, third and shoal bass being a close second. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with Alabama bass too, just because they're they like top water a little bit more than the smallmouth do that I fish for. So I like top water and I like current and I like bass and Alabama bass. They seem to be. All three of those. Every time I, I think I can say that smallmouth pound for pound got way more fight in them, I'll catch an Alabama bass and be like, shit, that was I – mean, get, get your heart going. Like, I caught my, my first, like, you know, picture-worthy, like, bronze-backed Alabama bass I caught earlier this year that was – I think it was 19 and three-quarters. It was so old and sickly that it was, like, maybe two pounds at best. But – gave me the craziest fight for a solid like minute top water bite digging upstream digging downstream going under rocks like it was nuts and i was like yeah and nah, i don't know if smallmouth do that as good but then you go catch a if, if anybody here has done it if you catch a big smallmouth on a spook whew, that's a another heart racer <laughs> but well all right so we appreciate y'all coming on and uh telling us about it you know, and all the different cool factors of everything down there. But this is when we like to let y'all, you know, thank anybody you want to thank, any sponsors or shops that you work with or anything like that. Uh, so, Chris, take it away. Uh, Chuck Wise for setting up the float with me. I, I called him up and asked him if he'd be willing to float with me. He said yes. If I wasn't floating, I, you know, Jacob and Lance, hats off to them, were able to do it without doing the float for me. I had to cover water. Uh, I don't know those particular spots like they do. So I was, uh, I was at the mercy of just covering as much water as possible. And I knew the only way I could do that was to do a float. And so thanks to Chuck for, for doing that with me and setting up the shuttle. And, you know, that's really why I was able to do as well as I did in the tournament. So I appreciate him. That's awesome. About you, Lance. Uh, I think, Wilderness Systems, they they always got me in a good boat. I think uh, Redline Lures, 
You know, Ricky makes good spinner baits and and jigs. Um, and other than that, I guess we think the the Yak Shack they take care of us with Iron City. Um, if you guys are in the Birmingham area, give them a look. Uh, I think they're increasing their uh, tackle selection too. So I was in there the other day, and they got more stuff than they had last time. So not only kayak shop, but they're getting some fishing stuff too. Yeah, Man, Rapala, Big Bite Baits. Mm -hmm. Now they have some yeah. yak gadget stuff. I mean, yak attack stuff. So. Yak, yeah, they had a good yak attack display. There's some cool stuff in there now. Um, yeah, sure. I mean, I always was, but it's just getting better. Um, I, they got a new location opening for you, Indiana folk. So I hear. Franchise. And then uh, I got to thank my wife and my son. They they support me and put up with me and doing all this stuff. It was about 950. Uh, my son sent me a, a little text video sending me some fishing mojo, and I caught all of my fish between 950 and 1030. <laughs> That's awesome. That's pretty cool. Well, all right, Jacob. Mark? Yeah, so I'm not sponsored by anyone, but uh, like Lance said, well, we'll see. But like Lance said, the Yak Shack and Pelham, uh, you can go there and buy you a new canoe for soup with a pedal drive and run it up them rapids. Man, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> the, recommend it. the new canoe folks need somebody to shed some light and love on the pivot drive. And I'm going to drop your name because no one is doing what you're doing with it. And I can confidently say that. So <laughs> they need to, whether you wanted to even go that route, as far as that sponsorship crap, you should at least talk to them. <laughs> you, you should holler at them and tell them to have Jacob and do a video down there on the Alabama. Yes. With him yeah. doing it. Man, that, that'd be a cool little video. I do it a lot. I can show them some stuff that they don't know that that pedal drive can do. Guarantee it. 100% <laughs> guarantee it. Jimmy knows. I, I would like just to be there just to be like, I, I told you. Like, look. <laughs> All the people that'll cringe with that pedal drive starts grinding in the rocks, and I'm just still fishing. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's one thing. I don't know what they're it's different about, like, the prop that they use in that thing. You can't mess that thing up. I've been very impressed. I thought I was going to snap it off plenty of times. Yeah. I, I wedged mine when I had mine, and I thought, sure, I'd yeah. it wedged and popped. And I was like, well, there went one of them. Yeah, I just keep and, kicking. It'll come out. Yep. Go ahead. I'm sorry to cut you off. That's all good. Uh, jokingly, well, I want to thank Brandon Ellis because uh, I needed some wading shoes probably four months ago, and I'm still using them. I don't know what brand they are. We're not going to mention them. But he was he was a good enough man to let me have a pair of his just regular shoes. <laughs> it's just a way in and the gang gang. I really think some of the guys in the gang gang, they, they are the future face of kayak fishing, especially for Alabama, but maybe we'll see further beyond that. Uh, we have some guys that are very passionate and you don't, I mean, a lot of people enjoy kayak fishing. A lot of people love fishing in general. They love kayaking in general, but I, I really think uh, our little group that we have is some great passionate kayak anglers and good too. They're very good anglers. And we really, really other. fun around the fire if there's fireball. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't even have to mention names on that. Nope, not going to. <laughs> Good down home comeback here. I'll say that. <laughs> it was fantastic. Oh, and my wife. She, you saw her around here earlier. Uh, I think uh, she, she's been very supportive through all this. Uh, so I'm very grateful for her. 
Smart man. All right, we'll go back there and you know dust your your china in your fancy china cabinet. And oh, you should. Uh, I should have got a text you and told you to bring the trophy with you to show off that. I had everything set up in the basement, but I couldn't get my headset to hook up to my phone because I wanted to do this on my phone because this camera is. Oh, would you see the whole background? I mean, it is what it is, but uh, it's all in the basement. Gotcha. This was option good, number man. two. <laughs> it's all good. A, better than part this. of that china cabinet for your hardware. Yeah, I really think one, one third of it. Yeah, at yeah. least dead center. I just keep shoving. Yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> Thanksgiving dinner and gravy bowl. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, man, we appreciate y'all uh, for one again. I appreciate y'all letting us put this back a week after our little uh, series of events last week. But congrats and thanks so much and. Good luck going into next year and any of your winter adventures. Thanks, Jimmy, for putting that on. That's This is my favorite event of the year, so it's cool to see you take it and run with it. it it's been my favorite one I've ran. Like, it was so much fun. Like, yeah, I, I normally, it's it. kind of stressful. This was very casual. I was stressed up to it. But then once I got down there, it was like, oh, it's all good. <laughs> I don't know how everything worked out for Smith last year. I had COVID, so to come back this year and really get to enjoy everybody's company, that, that's my favorite part, honestly. Everybody willing to come from all over to go camping. Well, I think we if had you had taken Smith out of Smith, like everybody – I mean, Lance enjoyed it. Lance won. Yeah. <laughs> but I feel like I feel like if you had taken it anywhere else, it would have been more enjoyable for everybody else because just a lot of people cringed when we said Smith Lake. So, But till for another time. But yeah, any uh anything else, Dano? No, that's it, man. All right, guys. Well, we appreciate you so much, and we will hopefully have y'all on again sometime soon. Maybe next next year's state championship. Same three guys. Maybe maybe a little bit change in the outcome. Well, we'll see where it's at. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Later, guys. <laughs> All right. See y'all. Right, thank you. Thanks. All right. Any tournaments? Right. Got a few. Got a few. Oh. So. First off, we're going to go ahead and hit the big one, uh, KBF National Championship. Um, this one's going to take a second. So it was the KBF National Championship, Trail Series Championship, Challenge Series Championship. So quick, quick way to put this is one person won all three of those. Uh, congrats to Russ Snyders for a clean sweep of the Trail Series, Challenge Series, and National Championship Um took home around $50,000. So killer there. So national championship overall, Russ first place, 282 inches across the three days, Eric Jackson, 259 for second place and Cody Milton at 248 and three quarters for third. The trail series championship was two days. Russ had 190 for two days. Cody was uh 20 inches or 19 and three quarter inches back for second place with 170 and a quarter. And Mr. Drew Gregory at, 166 and a half just got cleared and is recrowned the winner of the Pickwick Bassmaster event. So congrats to him on that. We will have him on tomorrow actually. So um, the challenge series championship, Russ had uh, again, 190 in that second place. Cody with 170 and a quarter and third place, Drew Gregory. Uh, congrats to Cody for Cody Milton for winning the KBF angler of the year. Uh, Derek Brundle for winning the Challenge Series Angler of the Year, and I cannot remember Gene Jensen's son's name, but he won the uh, 
uh, high school angler of the year with KBF. So congrats to all of those folks. Um, moving on to the other kind of, other championship or blah, other tournaments we had in the country. Uh, the kicking bass for troops, uh, Basstober event. Uh, they could only fish one of the two days that were allowed for the tournament. That is hard to put into words. Uh, 46 anglers, five fish limit. First place, Wilton Rogerson with 102 and three quarters. Big old bag. Second place, John Fuchs with 97 and a half. Third place, Brian Hoops with 87 and a half. Next up was the Queen City Kike Bass Fishing event on... Happy birthday, Vinny. Hey, happy birthday, Vinny. Hmm. Uh, the event was on Jordan and Falls Lake. 69 anglers with their infamous four fish limit, which is awesome. First place, Adam Fillmore with 70 and three quarters. Second place, Justin Finger with 67 and a quarter. Third place, Mike Hicks with 64 and a quarter. Ooh, this is one I hadn't read before. The Bayou Coast Kayak Fishing Club Trout Challenge. Uh, 56 anglers, five fish limit. First place, Butch Ridgedale with 92 inches. Second place, Ryan Allman with 91 and three quarters. Third place, Douglas Minifi with 90 and three quarter. Next up's the Moyak series on table rock two-day tournament 38 anglers five fish per day first place jason shiflet with 169 and three quarters second place dorman huey with 169 third place kyle long with 164 and three quarters and last up's the yakabas on lake berryessa two-day tournament 50 anglers first place take a guess who got first place just take a guess in california there you go damien towel with 171 and a half second place uh dago kobayashi with 162 and a half and third place everybody's favorite kayak youtuber mr greg blanchard with 161 and a half so congrats to all those guys and can't wait to see what we've got going on what are you doing i keep seeing something fly around the screen (laughs) it's like i keep trying to read and i just kept looking away just I don't know. Tora Pasenko. I got you. But yeah, uh, so that was it for the week tournaments, and we appreciate everybody being here. And again, be looking for a bonus episode we're going to have coming. Uh, I'm going to be recording with Drew tomorrow, and we've got Cinco's flying all around the studio. <laughs> but uh, yeah, anything else, dude? Ready to get up to check. Yeah. You, you think y'all got it? I don't know. We're going up against Maulers. It's uh, Matt Conant, Kenwood, Derek Brundle, and I'm not sure who the fourth person they're bringing is, but uh, yeah. It's going do to be do y'all know who y'all are playing yet? Like, no, we it, brought, we're, team? we're bringing everyone. Everybody except for Dustin on the team is going. All seven seven of us. And, um, and whoever does... It'll be hard not... Obviously, you're going to play Jordan. He's from there. He's won so many events there. So, I mean, really, it's like the other, you know, six of us fighting for three spots. So, but I mean, really, because the guys in the KFL, they kind of, you know, they do KFL tonight. And they were talking about last night that one of them said, oh, I wouldn't bring that many people. Because then you have people arguing over who's doing this. Well, the way we have our payout. It's we're either making eleven thousand because we already got second, or we're making thirty-two thousand. I want the best person to fish, so I make more money no matter what. So, Amen. Yeah, no arguing here. <laughs> yeah, so it's 
I mean, and that's the, the, it's a team dynamic. I mean, that's what happens. You play your best players. I mean, it's just like any other sport. There's nothing to argue about. If you ain't got it, you ain't, you don't got it this week. So support us elsewhere. Go get us pizza. Yeah. We, we, we've been a total team effort and, you know, next man up all year. And I, I don't think it's going to be in conflict. It, It will be tough to say, like who had the best practice and who deserves to go. If how, how do y'all decide? Is it a vote? No, we haven't decided. No. I mean, me and Coley own the team, so it'll be me and him deciding. So, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. Well, you have Lance and Coley. They kind of overlap with a lot of Creek stuff. Uh, Nick's big fish. You know, he loves those big baits, and maybe he, you know, he's had some good events. So, Joe's fishing all week so you know joe he he just stays out there on the water he's been catching them so and he knows the place so well so yeah so we'll see me chuck and uh and coley and lance are probably the ones fighting the most for the spots and nick i guess yeah we'll see but either way it's we got a cabin and saturday night i'm getting drunk either way so we're we're going to have a good time getting paid either yeah, way right. well good luck to you on that sir thanks man well everybody this has been another great episode of the real down we appreciate y'all so much and we will see y'all next time peace thanks for tuning in to another killer episode here on paddle and finn be sure to drop a five-star rating a thumbs up or smash that subscribe button on any platform you're listening in on Be sure to check us out on Waypoint TV, waypointtv.com. Make sure you sign up for the Fantasy Kayak Fishing League at paddleandfin.com forward slash fantasy. You could support this show through Patreon, patreon.com forward slash paddleandfin. Don't forget to check out the website paddleandfin.com. Catch us on YouTube. If you got a question, comment, or want to see a future guest on the show, be sure to email us at paddleandfin at gmail.com. Shout out to our show supporters, Yak Gadget. You can check out all the fine kayak accessories at yakgadget.com. Pelican Professional. For all your cases, coolers, and lighting needs, go to pelican.com. Rocktown Adventures your Midwest premier paddle sports destination, go to rocktownadventures.com. Eastport Marina, the beautiful destination on Dale Hollow Lake. If you're looking for lodging, kayaks, kayak accessories, or anything fishing related on the beautiful Dale Hollow Lake, go to eastport.info. Jigmasters Jigs, when in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com and fill your tackle boxes today. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue, brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors. Every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. In Wild Country, rules were not created by man. Don't miss Wild Country, Wednesdays from 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Primos. Speak the language. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.